I promise to be like Elizabeth Taylor's seventh husband. I won't keep you long. You heard that? <clears throat> I got one. You know what this means when the preacher takes his watch off? Sets right there? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff and Wendy. You guys are kind of the brunt of the joke, you know. <clears throat> First time I looked up this morning, I, it wasn't morning any longer. I looked up after my third verse, and there's still three more to go. I looked over at the clock, and it was 10 after 12. And then my second thought was, uh-oh. So I look up at the door at the kids' room, and I see Jeff's head. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in trouble now. <clears throat> oh, anyway, the Lord's punishing me. I can't hardly talk tonight anyway, so we'll be quick, all right? But, uh, uh, you know, I do. <clears throat> I appreciate all the help. Wendy given uh, testimony of Stephanie coming in and helping out with that, and, and uh, um, you know, it's a blessing to have so many volunteers that, that you come in and you exercise your faith. You, you don't just sit there, but you do. You're involved in so many different things, and, and oh, that was another thing that I'd, look, we printed them. We got we to gotta pass these out. Sam, there's some, there's some flyers right there for Bring a Friend Sunday. Anybody here willing to pass out one or two of those? Would you hold your hand up? We're going to give you one if you want one. We need to get rid of these. <clears throat> Whatever you guys don't take, I'm going to make Wes pass out. <laughs> However many you guys want, you take them and, and uh, invite a friend. <clears throat> Bring a friend that day. Look, we had, we had 240 people here this morning. If 200, yeah, amen. Isn't that great? If 240 people will invite a friend and they will come, you know, I'm not, I'm not a real, really good uh, uh, ca uh, calculator here, but uh, 240, 240 is 480. So uh, we might be out of chairs. That wouldn't that be great? I love that. So, but uh, and not only pray that people come, but Pray that we would see people trust Christ. Three kids got saved this morning. Amen. I mean, that's fantastic. That's uh, what what a what a blessing to see that. <clears throat> I guess what we could do is we could be like the Muslims and give you guys all flip flops, and then you get mad at me, you can take your shoe off and throw them at me. Is that over the top? Tomatoes? No, I don't want, no. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> First Samuel 28. We've been looking at the life of David, and, and as we've looked at the life of David, I've, I've just been going chapter by chapter through this, and as we've looked at the life of David, we've also been watching the, the life of Saul and, and some major contrast in these two men and, and uh I, I uh, honestly do not believe that Saul was a saved man, but uh, one of the things you have to understand with the Old Testament is that the ministry of the Holy Spirit was different in the Old Testament than what the ministry of the, of the Holy Spirit is in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit has come to 
take the place of, of Jesus whose presence was here while he was on earth. And, and Jesus had made the promise of giving the Holy Spirit in, in John 14, 15, and 16. And in there he showed us that the Holy Spirit would come when Christ would, had been crucified and, and uh, had uh, risen from the dead and then ascended into heaven. But he said, I'll never leave you comfortless. And he gave us the advocate who is the, the paraclete or the, the Holy Spirit and has said that he will forever dwell with us. And then through the epistles that Paul has written, he gives us more explanation of the Holy Spirit and his presence in our lives and, and, and the fruit of the Spirit that we are to be uh, developing, uh, allowing God to develop in our lives and and the Holy Spirit is always with us. That's why he makes the statement, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He, he tells us that we are kept by his power, that the, the indwelling of the Spirit is always there. And so as believers, then once we trust Christ as, a savior, as our Savior, he gives us as the down payment of our inheritance of eternal life, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be there for all eternity. And so... However, in the, New, in the Old Testament, it was different. The Holy Spirit was not the, the, uh, uh, the sign of salvation that we have today. The Holy Spirit would come upon people, but the Holy Spirit could also leave people and, and come and go as the Holy Spirit wanted to do so, and he did that often. And in the, the life of Saul, we see that when he was anointed king, that, that the Holy Spirit came upon him, and if you recall uh, he even prophesied at one point in time and showing the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. And however, we know that by this time that, as a matter of fact, it took place when back in chapter uh, 15, I believe, uh, 13 or, or 15, chapter 15, where, where he was supposed to have destroyed the Amalekites and he did not do what he was told to do by God and and it was there that Samuel came to him and said, I hear the bleeding of sheep and the, the, and the bellowing of cows, and, and what is this? And he said, well, the, the people have kept the best of stock because we want to sacrifice it to God. And, and if you remember there that uh, Samuel told him that, that God said that disobedience is as bad as witchcraft and, and rebellion, and, and uh, we know that, that God has always said that witchcraft was evil and that sorcery was evil. And, and, and look, if God didn't like it in the Old Testament, God still doesn't like it in the New Testament. And I don't care whether people want to tell you that, well, we no longer live under the law, so we don't have to worry about these things. Look, God never changes, and if he didn't like it then, he doesn't like it now. And, and he doesn't like that type of attitude. He did not like the disobedience of Saul and it was at that time that as he held on to Samuel, and Samuel turned, and, and, and it says that it tore his, his, his robe that he had on, and, and Samuel turned around and said, just as you tore my robe, God will tear this kingdom from your hands. And it was at that time that the Holy Spirit departed. And no longer did Saul have the power of God upon his life. And as a matter of fact, he never was able to hear from God again because if you recall, it was at that time that Samuel never saw Saul again. And, and God, you, you remember God, Saul was grieving over that and was sad about it. And, 
And God got in Samuel's face too and said, what's your problem? You go do what I tell you to do. He's the one that's chosen to do this, and he's the one that's lost the kingdom. You have another man that you need to get out there, and, and you need to anoint king. And so that's what we've gotten to. And, and, and so David is still running from this guy. That, that, uh, and, and look, you know, you would have the diagnosis of Saul. The, the, the diagnosis of him today would be schizophrenic, um, I don't know, bipolar, I mean, there'd be a number of things that our psychologists would say is the problem with Saul. But you know what the problem with Saul was? Sin. Sin was his problem. And, and the root of this issue was sin in his life and, and a rejection of, of God and, and a rejection of the Messiah and, and living in his own disobedience and in his own pride and his own arrogance and and so, and here he is, he's constantly chasing after David, who, who he has been told now numerous occasions that David is the one that's going to be king. He sees that David has the anointing of God upon his life. He, he, even, he even scolded Jonathan and, and even tried to kill Jonathan because Jonathan recognized that David was going to be king and, and was, had completely lost his mind by this time. And and, and still, in, in all of this, still unwilling to repent and come back to God. And so we get into chapter 28, and David has been fleeing and hiding out from, from this, 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 this man that's, that's oppressed and, and, and trying to kill him. And, and it tells us in these first two verses, and it's just kind of a side note, we're going to be dealing with this in the next few chapters. And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. Now if you remember, uh, David has fled into to, to the Philistine country and and the king of the Philistines was Achish, who, who has been the mortal enemy of, of Israel. And, and David, in, 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 in his fear and, and lack of trust, he did run and hide there, and he's hiding out. And, and so now Achish comes to him and says, hey, we're getting ready to go war, and, and we're going to kill Israel. We're going to take them out. David, are you with me? And, and, and David, very political in what he says, and David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore, therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. So the king, the king read it one way, and, and, and I do believe that David, he fled because he was, the, the fear was overwhelming, and I do believe that he made some bad choices in going there. But even in doing that, there was, there was a point where David was like, I am not going there. And I'm not doing that. I'm hiding from Saul. And, and, and that's the thing with David. He is tender and he does get his heart right whenever he starts seeing that he's wrong and making some bad choices. He hasn't yet, but in this we can see that David said, no, I'm not going to go there. So he gives an answer that is very generic and, and the king takes it one way and, and we actually we see that David is, means it another way. He's just hiding out, trying to give him a reprieve from the nut uh, king that's trying to kill him. But now we get in, and, and we're going to go quickly in this, but uh, I titled this now, and, and so we'll get back to David in, in the next study in, in chapter 29 because 
uh, well, you'll, you'll just see. So, so that's just kind of a side note. Now we get into verse 3 through 25, and I titled this, The March of a Dead Man. The March of a Dead Man. <clears throat> Whenever we see uh, Saul and what's going on in his life, and, and it's a mess. It says, now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. He did all of that when, when Samuel was around. And, and, and I tell you, it shows you the leadership of Samuel. It shows you that, that Samuel was one that I'm sure he had his own problems and had his own issues. We, we know that, that his sons didn't follow in his steps like they should have and, and, and didn't go the way that they should have in some areas. So, so we do know that there were some issues with Samuel, just like all of us, that he wasn't perfect in any way, but man, what a leader he must have been. And I think about the time when he came into the city and people were afraid of him and wondering, Samuel, why are you even here? And, and they feared him for the, the, what he represented, the holiness and righteousness of God. And, and so now Samuel is dead. And since that time, uh, Saul has been wandering in the darkness and has no leader and, and has, has no direction. And, 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 and what a picture that is of an unsaved person. An unsaved person doesn't have the guidance of God, doesn't have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, doesn't have the, the direction of the Word of God to, to give them and, and show them purpose in their lives. And that's why we can look around and you can look in this unsaved world and you see so many people that it's just they're animalistic in their behavior because all they're doing is just living day by day by day. And here we see that Saul doing the same thing. And so now we know that uh, the, the enemies are watching this. And, and, and here Saul has done what he should have done and had gotten rid of the familiar, the, 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 the uh, divination is what we're talking about, the witches, the sorcerers, and the wizards, and uh, cast them out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together. They knew that he was weak. They'd heard Samuel was dead. David is gone, and so now it's a time to attack. And gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem, and, in, in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. When Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. So in 3 through 6 here, we're seeing his fear. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Those were the three recognized modes of, uh, of uh, revelation during that time. And still we're not quite sure what the Urim was other than it was something that was on the breastplate of the priest. And, and it was some kind of an object. There was a Urim and the Thurim and, and a couple of stones or something. And, and they could cast those or, or something. And God would use that to give them direction. Do I do this, God? And I don't know, two of them is a no, one's a yes, or something. I, I don't know how he did that, but, but here the, the, here's how he communicated, and, and, there, and he's looking, and, and now all of a sudden he's like, okay, God, what should I do? And God's like, I, you don't want me, then I'm, I'm not around. And I'm not, going to, I'm not going to be your little lucky rabbit's foot. I'm not going to be someone that, that you put aside and put on a shelf and then think that, hey, when I need you, I'll call you. God doesn't act that way. God is the creator of the world, and God is the one who holds the universe and the world in his hand today, 
And God does not take our commands. And so we don't need to ever think and, and, and uh, look at God like Saul did. No fear of God. And, and here we see that the only thing he feared were the Philistines who were gathering around them. And so because of that, we see his foolishness. And so Samuel is dead. And then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit. You know, I, I, and I have no answer to this. But why did he say a woman? I mean, had he heard of her? Did he know that she was there? Were, were maybe most of these sorcerers women? I, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't know. I, I don't know why, why that he would be going and seeking this woman. But he, said, I, I, but he says here that you seek me out a woman that hath a familiar spirit, a, a sorceress is what she's talking about, a necromancer and, and someone that that can call up the dead is what he's looking at. You know, people think that I get kind of narrow-minded about some of these things, but, you know, we have, what is it called, the Day of the Dead, and we have some of the celebrations of Halloween that's coming up, and look, you know, there, there's, you know, giving out candy, no big deal, all right? But we need to give some thought to what all these things represent. You ever given thought to what, what Halloween is, is calling up the dead people and talking to those who are dead? Look, I don't want to talk to them. I'm, I'm telling you, the ones, the ones that you're going to talk to are not the ones that come back from heaven. And as a matter of fact, I was given thought to this today, and, and, I, and, I, and I may be wrong because I didn't have a long time to think about this, but in the New Testament, in the, in the New Testament, after Jesus is dead, I, I know that we have the young man that Eutychus that fell out of the, uh, the beams and fell and died and was brought back from the dead, but I, I don't recall anyone ever talking to someone that was in heaven. Now, in the Old Testament, they were in Abraham's bosom. Somewhat different than the heaven that we have now. And, and it was in Abraham's bosom that, that Samuel would have been. And, and, and we know that there was a great gulf between Abraham's bosom and, and Hades of the time and, and that holding place that people are still in today. And however, we do know that, that Abraham's bosom is empty today. And when Jesus Christ died on that cross, that it was there that that we know that he led captivity captive, and it's there that I believe that he went into Abraham's bosom, and, and it's there that he took those believers out of Abraham's bosom, and he paraded around where those that were across the great gulf and in, the, in that place of Hades could see the great Savior and, and watch him and, and see how he brings all of his believers out and, and delivers them into the heaven that we know today. And so we see that here we see that that uh, what, what he's wanting to do is he's going to go to this sorcerer, this necromancer who can pull up the dead. Well, I'm telling you, she's not going to be bringing anybody back, and she's not going to be able to go into to, to any of these areas. And, and what we have today that consider themselves necromancers, then the only people they're going to be bringing back are the demons of the devil. And you don't want any part of that. 
and it is real, and it is vicious. I'll, I'll ask Brother Dwight if he'll do it. He needs to give a testimony of a man that he just ran into on, on, on a flight just last week flying, flying back to Pennsylvania and, and ran into a guy, uh, talked to him who, who was a witch. I can't remember the name that he used, like a necromancer, and, and talked to him. And Dwight kept talking to him about Jesus and the blood, and it seemed to tick the guy off. And anyway, I'll just let him give the testimony of that and let you know that there is a spiritual world out there and we don't want any part of it. I don't want to represent any of that. Know how careful we need to be. And so anyway, he says here, he, he can't hear from God, so he goes to the world's ways and, hey, I want to find this woman and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, you know, there's a woman that hath a familiar spirit in Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. He went and two men with him and said, they came to the woman by night and he said, I pray thee divine unto me. Practice your divination upon me, unto me by the familiar spirit and bring me uh, him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done. How, here all of a sudden she's very innocent. How he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land, whereof then layest thou a snare for my life to Cause me to die. And Saul swear to her by the Lord, by the Lord. Isn't that amazing? So I want to hear from the devil, but I promise to God that I won't hurt you. The, hypocr the hypocrisy of this, isn't it? Saul swear to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Honor among thieves, right? Uh, I, Neither one of them represent God, but will swear by God. And, you know, maybe, maybe those in the world, instead of using God's name in, in vain like that and swearing by God, maybe they ought to just swear by devil because they are the child of Satan until they get their heart right. Then said the woman, who shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, bring me up Samuel. And get, get this. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And she wasn't crying, oh, hallelujah, I brought up Samuel. That isn't what she's crying out at all. She's crying out in distress. She's crying out in alarm. In alarm. She is crying out in horror. And she's like, who, who is this? This isn't one of those that I call up. This isn't the one that, that I'm aware of. And, and usually the guys that I call up, they, they can be whoever they want to be. And, and I recognize them for who they are. And, and, and I am really, truly scared of this guy that just came up. And then she says, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. Oh, now we see that she's afraid because... She sees and knows and understands, first of all, this is Samuel, and she's heard of Samuel because Samuel's the one that said, you need to take every one of those people that are diviners and, and sorcerers and witches, and, and you need to kill them and get them out of our country. Then she understood. Samuel must have told her that, hey, this is Saul. The king said unto her, be not afraid, for what sawest thou? The woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. You know what I think? Heaven is small, and uh, the, 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 the King James guys have it like, I saw some gods ascending out of the earth. But I, you know what I believe? I think part of the fear that she had, she thought that she saw God himself. And it terrified her. How in the world could this ever happen? 
I'm not, I don't call these people up. Such a fake that she was. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle or a robe. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped his face to the ground and bowed himself. And so now we see, we see Saul's forecast. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? Why are you, why are you disturbing me? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what shall I do. Samuel's not very politically correct. He doesn't pat him on the hand and say, it'll be okay, Saul. You'll be all right. Then said Samuel, wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord has departed from thee? and has become thine enemy. You know what's interesting in studying this out? Seeing the Lord is departed from me. It means that the Lord has gotten out of the way. All God did, Saul wanted to live his life without God. God said, okay, I'll get out of the way. Here it is. Don't, don't then think that you're going to call me back. Don't think, you, you see the thing with God's mercy is far, far more than we can ever imagine, and, and God's grace is far more than we can ever imagine, but, but there is a time in, 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 in God's timeline, and I don't know when that is, but with certain people and, and certain people that keep rejecting and rejecting and rejecting, that God finally says, fine, go on without you, and go on and live your life, and I will not be in your life. We see that they will die and they'll go to a devil's hell because of their rejection of Christ. And here he's departed from thee and has become thine enemy. And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. And using that word rent, he's saying, you need to understand that you're getting ready to lose this kingdom and it's going to be bloody in how you lose it. And the Lord because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines. Now, you know what he's saying? Hey, Israel, you picked him. You wanted him. Now deal with the results of you wanting him instead of just being a theocracy and letting me be your God and letting me guide you and direct you. Now you're going to deal with your own decisions that you made. Then Saul fell straightway all along on the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all the day nor all the night. I, 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 don't, know that I've ever, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone that scared. But to the point where he curls up, lying on the ground, terrified, because of what was going on. And then we see his final meal. And the woman came unto Saul, and saw that he was sore troubled, and said unto him, Behold, thine handmaid hath obeyed thy voice, and I put my life in my hand, and have hearkened unto thy words, which thou spakest unto me. First of all, typical worldview, she cared only about her own life. That's Here she is, hey, I did these things, and risked my life, and you're okay, right? And everything's going to be okay. And then the only comfort that she can offer to this man is a meal. 
is a meal. Now therefore I pray thee, hearken thou also unto the voice of thine handmaid, and let me set a morsel of bread before thee, and eat, that thou mayest have strength when thou goest on thy way. You know, I had an, I had an interesting discussion with some friends that, that uh, good people, but they're, they're part of the Mormon religion, and, and they think that uh, that's the way that they're going to get to heaven. And, and they were trying to, to, to tell me that Mormons are Christians. And I'm like, nope, sorry, doesn't happen. I said, we, we look at Jesus as two different people from what you believe he is and what the Bible says that he is. And, and, and then the statement was, said, we as Mormons, we have three 747s filled with food and, and supplies to fly anywhere in the world to help meet the needs of catastrophes that might happen. Do you not think that that's what Jesus would do? Well, I think that the thing that we need to understand is there were times where Jesus fed the 5,000. What about the ones that didn't come out there? They still went hungry. What about the, the, the pool of Bethsaida where the man had laid there for years and years and years waiting to be healed? Well, we hear of that one that was lying there, but were there others maybe that were lying around there needing to get into the pool and be healed? And, and, and did they sit there and watch when this man finally was, was healed there by the pool of Beth, Bethsaida? And, and what about the rest of them? There, there were times where someone physically wasn't healed. There were times where someone still went hungry. And we need to understand that Jesus is far more than just someone that's going to fill our stomach and, and meet the physical need that we have. Oh, he promises that he'll do those things, but there is something. And, and who does he do that for? Those that have given their heart to him. Jesus has something far more important than eating of a morsel of bread. Jesus gives us eternal life. Jesus is the one who died on the cross. Jesus is the one whose God showed us that he was God by uh, rising again. Jesus is God who's sitting there today making intercession for every child that has trusted him as their Savior. Jesus is the one who will bring us into heaven. Jesus is the one that we serve today. And here we see that that, uh, all that the world has to offer is, I'm sorry that you're going to die, Saul, Here's a piece of bread. Here's a fatted calf. But he refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, compelled him, hearkened unto their voice. So he rose from the earth and sat upon the bed. And the woman had a fat calf in, his house, in the house, and she hastened and killed it and take flour, took flour and kneaded it and did bacon and leavened bread. And then I, I titled this last verse, The March of a Dead Man. And she brought it before Saul and before his servants, and they did eat. Then they rose up and went away that night. No hope. No hope. There is no hope without God. There is no hope without our Savior. There is no hope that in in that we are even going to enjoy this life. Saul was the king of Israel and didn't even enjoy his life. There is no hope without our Savior. Oh, how we need to look to him. And here we see the march of a dead man. We'll see him again in about two more chapters. Last time we hear of Saul, he takes his own life. 
Not only does he die, but so do his sons, and he loses his kingdom. And why? Why? Because of his disobedience. His disobedience. It is serious about serving God. Now, I know that I don't believe Saul was a saved man, but I'm telling you that we as believers need to understand that God is not mocked and that God wants our obedience and he wants our heart. He wants us to serve him fully and wholly with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And when we do, then we have God's blessings. Then we have the true blessedness of who God is to us, our Savior and our Sustainer. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight, and I pray your blessings upon it. I pray that you use it in our hearts and lives. Give us a good week, Lord, that you'll help us to be bold and in our witness, bold in our living, and Lord, give us victory this week over some of the the sin that, that fights us and the temptations that come. Lord, help us. Give us victory over those, and we come back together. We can give you the honor and the glory, and we can see that we can do battle, and we can win in this battle of life and our service for you. Guide us and direct us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.